and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunland Preview Podcast. It's been a little while since we welcomed a Welsh side to the Stadium of Light, but just over five years since they last visited, managerless Cardiff City will travel away aside this weekend as they look for three points. And if a week is a long time in football, then five years is quite an age and there's been a heck of a lot of change since that day, both clubs. So it'll bring us up to date with all the latest goings on at Cardiff as commentator, presenter, reporter and filmmaker and a man often heard on BBC Radio Wales, Mark Poyser. Mark, how are you? Are you OK? Uh, brilliant. Yeah, thank you for inviting me on. Pleasure to be here and um, a pleasure to see Sunderland back in the Championship. And I say that as uh, <laughs> you being back gives us one of our longest trips of the season, but it's a proper football ground, proper football fans. Uh, yeah, really good, pleased to have Sunderland back in the Championship. The listeners will not be surprised that I will 100% agree with all of that. <laughs> um as I said before, it's been about five years since we last spoke, as we kind of spoke off air, um, different podcast entirely. But um, how have you been, mate? Have you been all right? Yeah, uh, it's been an incredible five years covering Welsh football, uh, the international side of things, going to Euro 2020, the World Cup coming up, and then the small matter of two A-list Hollywood actors taking over Wrexham. Uh <laughs> Never a dull moment in the world of covering football. So it's been, you talk about all the things that Sunderland have been through, all the, the main clubs that we cover have also been through the mill and then some uh, over those five years as well. Yeah, a little bit of drama down the wheels in a good way from my perspective, because I do quite like a bit of Ryan Reynolds, I've got to say. Um, <laughs> and I am a fan of it. So with Sunny, as everyone should be. But um, I think it seems it's par for the course these days, to be honest, but we are speaking prior to both of our midweek games, obviously ourselves against Huddersfield. So we'll start with Cardiff's most recent performance, as we normally do. Um, three defeats in a row was halted. 1-0 win over Rotherham. I watched back the highlights. Obviously, you would have seen the full 90, but um, Cardiff far and wide, the more dominant side. How important was the result? Because it obviously come off the back of losing the South Wales derby to, to uh, Swansea at the weekend. Yeah, it was absolutely massive. Um because losing to Swansea, unfortunately, from a Cardiff point of view, has sort of become the norm. It's their third defeat to Swansea in a row. Last season was really significant because I don't know if you'd know, no team has ever done the league double in the history of that fixture until last season. Oh, wow. So Cardiff on the wrong end of that, which is a remarkable statistic for however long that game's being played. And then to lose quite convincingly as well, they badly needed a response. It wasn't a stellar performance um, against Rotherham. It, at times, it was it was quite a tough watch commentating on it. Um, but they got the job done, and Mark Hudson certainly needed that as interim manager, uh, just to sort of give his hopes of getting the job a little bit of a a boost, shall we say? Um, but it's the, it's been a similar problem in that game as it has been all season that they do struggle to score goals and at times on Saturday they toiled uh, and the goal came from from Jaden Philogene the only real moment of quality in the whole game and he came on at half time as well um, and it was enough to get a valuable three points and it is all about stepping stones at the moment with Cardiff because they're just in this cycle at the moment of endless transition it certainly feels like that from the outside looking in anyway yeah most definitely and I think the scoring issues are something we are going to come on to because it's something if you look at the league table is glaringly obvious is the problem but um, I suppose the big talking point in Cardiff is sort of on the pitch but slightly away from the pitch directly Steve Morrison was sacked as manager on the 18th of September we're speaking 
well, after Halloween and, and almost at uh, almost on the bonfire night, shall we say. So that's almost two months later since he was sacked. Um, I've purposely not looked too far into it outside of the odds. What's the situation there? Well, as far as we are led to believe by um, people within the club, they're not at the moment actively looking for anyone else uh, right now. Um, there are discussions between Mark Hudson and uh, the hierarchy. He revealed that to us before the Rotherham game. Essentially, the noises we're getting is that it's his job to lose. They want him to get it. Um, but of course, because this season is so unique with the World Cup and the break that championship clubs will get, I don't think there'll be anything either way on his future until we at least get to that World Cup break. Uh, then I think they'll take stock because they can pause for a bit of breath and decide whether he is the person they definitely want to give it to or whether it's somebody else. Um, but as I said on BBC Radio Wales last weekend before the game, uh, they played Rotherham and that was a year to the day or a year to the weekend, I should say, since Steve Morrison's first match in charge. And he took over with the club just above the relegation zone, having sacked a manager early on in the season who they'd given the summer to, to sort of try and overhaul the squad, having saved them from relegation the following year. And they promoted someone within with little experience. Well, 12 months on and they're in exactly the same position. And it, that's what I mean about this seemingly endless cycle of transition and, and short-term appointments and chopping and changing. Um, a lot of the ex-professionals who I sit next to every Saturday who know far more about it than I ever will, they all tend to say the same things. What is Cardiff's plan long-term? What do they want to be? What is their strategy? And they all argue that until they decide upon that, then we're going to be trapped in this endless cycle because they went through a phase where Neil Warnock, for example, was in charge, old-school manager, did very well for them. Uh, but then when that didn't work out, they then went for a younger manager who was going to try and play football. That didn't work out. They went back to the old school in Mick McCarthy in the more direct style. And it sort of goes from one extreme to the other. Um, I don't know the answer to the question. Uh, the people within the club will only know that. In fact, there's only one man who knows the answer to that question. And we very, very rarely hear from him. And that is Vincent Tam. is the man who holds all the power, all the decision-making. And right now, it looks like Mark Hudson will be the next full-time Cardiff manager, but at the moment, he's still got that asterisk next to his name, which says interim. I find the Vincent Tan situation quite interesting because I suppose since we last spoke, things will have changed, and you've kind of alluded to that as it, as it was. I remember playing you around Christmas time. I think it was 2013, so we are going back quite a bit. But I remember it was kind of around the time when he kind of really came to prominence. I think he came in in 2010, but he'd at that point he'd sacked, I think, head of recruitment. I think he might have sacked the manager at that point. He changed the shirt colour. Um, so it's been 12 years since he bought that stake. It's obviously been a few years since that happened. But you don't really hear about him. So so what is the relationship with Vincent Tan and, and Cardiff fans at the minute? Is it just non-existent? He's, he's kind of washed his hands away, but he's still on the, as the owner. Uh, well, if it wasn't visit for Vincent Tan, there wouldn't be Cardiff City. Uh, he is putting money in every month to keep them going. So whilst he may be unpopular with a lot of the Cardiff City supporters, 
uh, we have to bear in mind that without him, the club wouldn't exist right now um, financially. He is essentially propping them up. It is it is his money that's keeping them going. Um, but no one really knows what his end game is. We've heard stories that potentially he might be interested in selling. Um, but this is just my take on the situation now. Why would he want to sell a club in the lower reaches of the championship? I would surely imagine he'd want to make some of his money back. And he's not going to do that unless they get back into the Premier League. Well, right now, they're, they're a long way away from challenging to get back in the Premier League. So no one really knows what what the end game is at the moment, um, which is why, because we so rarely hear from him, there's not a lot in the way of answers. Um, he, as, I, as I alluded to, he's not particularly popular with a lot of the Cardiff fans. That shirt colour change, that was uh, 10 years ago last summer. That really has flown by. Um, and a lot of the decisions he's made over those years have been unpopular. Um, it's difficult really to answer that question because we never hear hear from him. We never see him at games. Um, and no one really knows the answer. Uh, all we can say is that on the field, things have got, since they were last relegated from the Premier League, things just haven't worked out. They've got worse as this, every season, as it's rolled on, they they got to the playoff semi-finals under Neil Harris, and since then, uh, you know, it was a relegation battle last year. Steve Morrison able to pull them away. They're a lot closer to the bottom three now than they were last season. Um, but you would think, looking at the players they've got, they would be able to pull away from trouble. But will they challenge for the playoffs? There's not a lot of people who think that is a possibility. Um, because they signed so many new players over the summer. I think it was 17 or 18. That's going to take time to to gel in. As I said, I think there's somebody over the summer. In fact, the last game of the season uh, last year when they went away to Derby and drew 1-1. That'll be a huge task for an experienced manager because they had all these players out of contract and the finances dictated that a lot of them were not going to stay. So to overhaul the squad with that many new players would be a tough task for any experienced manager, let alone someone who was in their first job, which was the case for Steve Morrison. And I think he was doing a pretty decent fist of it. He wasn't doing extraordinarily badly. Um, but there we are. The decision was made. He departed after, what, 10 games? And now Mark Hudson, uh, what has he had? Seven matches in charge now. Uh, three wins, three losses and, and one defeat. Um Relatively popular with the with the fans um, from his time, primarily as a, as a captain, he was very popular as a player. Um, but he's still sort of finding his feet as a manager. And um, any decent, he had quite a decent start actually. But of course, these three defeats and the big exclamation is that defeat to Swansea. That's the big one, as you guys know. When you play Newcastle, you you, you just cannot lose that game. And unfortunately, they have lost the last three. It's a while since I remember getting beat off that lot. Um, there has been a few seasons in the league, want to be fair, but still. Um, I think Cardiff strike me as a club that I've come across, a, and I've come across a lot of clubs during the, the preview show this season, a club that's been relegated from the Premier League and then just kind of frittered about in the Championship to the point where it becomes, um, I think the word might be apathetic. I think Stoke strike me an awful lot like that. Watching the Cardiff games, I think Cardiff 
have a really strong vocal fan base. I think people are aware of what it was like at Ninian Park previously. You know, I've been to uh, games at Cardiff before, and, and I think it was 2-2 um, when Jack Callback scored in the 95th minute or so uh, via deflection, and, and I think it was loud and, and venomous that night. But when you watch the games and the highlights on TV and when you read the forums and you, you see the headlines of Cardiff, it has got similarity to a lot of clubs at this division that it's like an apathy sort of growing and, and building in maybe a little bit worried they might even go further down? Is, is that a fair enough assessment? Or Well, there's a lot of people I know who haven't been back since the shirt change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was over 10 years ago. Or they haven't supported them in sort of the same way. Uh, I think that's fair to say for a lot of people. Um, they still get, I think there was, I'm looking at my notes now, still over 17,000 there on Saturday. Uh, having lost to Swansea and lost three in a row. Um, so there's still very much a big support. They're still a very big club, a capital city, still draw a big fan base. And if they could get it right, you know, the 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 numbers are there. If they were to get back to competing towards the top end of the Premier League, that place would be they would be sold out. Um but it's it goes back to the 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 conversation we were just having a few moments ago. Vincent Tan. No one knows what the plan is. And I sound like I'm repeating myself, but until we sort of get these answers, no one knows and everyone is sort of speculating as to to what the plan is when we have sort of briefings with uh, the chairman, the chief executive, we're told that he's still committed to the club. Well, he has to be because he's putting the money in every month to keep them going. He wouldn't do that if it if he if he wasn't that interested, if you, if you see what I mean. But what's the ambition? What's the end game? Again, repeating myself, but no one knows. It's 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 a really strange situation. Um, and we don't even have a proper manager at the moment. And that's no dig at Mark Hudson, but at the moment he is still the interim manager and we don't know what the future holds. You would imagine they would give him the job, but what's to say... We're not going to be in this situation in, again in 12 months' time. If he does okay, they pull away from trouble. He, he's given some funds, say, hypothetically, to sign five, six, seven, eight new players over the summer. Doesn't start well. He gets the sack, and then where do they go from there? It's um, I, I, well, When I was thinking about what we were going to discuss before I came on, I was thinking back to the last time we spoke, and Sunderland was sort of in that era of chopping and changing managers, trying to find a solution and I think they are an example to any club no matter who you are how many years you've been in the Premier League how many fans you get if you don't get things right off the pitch it is a very very slippery slope and you can find yourselves in trouble and they are still in trouble at the moment Um, it's still very early days in the season but if you you take your eye off the ball it could take a long time to get back and I mentioned Wrexham right at the start 15 years they've been in the National League. When they got relegated out of the Football League in 2008, I think it was, they thought it would be a year, two years max. Uh, and if it wasn't for the Hollywood owners coming along, you know, we wouldn't be in a position where it's really exciting. It looks like they're finally going, going to escape. Uh, but back to, to Cardiff, you know, if they aren't careful, who knows what might happen this season or, or the following season. So we sort of need some sort of answers from from not the powers that be, but from the main man, because he the buck stops with him, he writes the checks. It's funny you mentioned that the last time we spoke, we were directly in that kind of apathetic, 
I've never not wanted to go to the match more in my life that season in the championship. And Sunderland fans don't need reminding of that. It was awful. And it was directionless, I think. Slightly There's no documentary crew following Cardiff City around at the moment. Though. That's the only difference. <laughs> you don't want it, trust me. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, Ellis Short had decided he wanted to sell at that point, and that, but that was kind of the only information we had and he kind of just lived in Texas and just washed his hands of it. So similar in some ways, I suppose you had the the slight conversations and information that he wanted to sell, which obviously Vincent Tan hasn't come out with, but at the same time, it was directionless. And and it is really difficult to get behind a club that doesn't have a direction. And Cardiff do have similarities to that that season that we went down to the championship. I mean, I don't think anything will ever be quite as disastrous as Sunderland's championship season last time we were here, but it does feel quite directionless. And I think a lot of it's summed up in, when you look at the the manager favourites, obviously Hudson's the clear favourite for obvious reasons. But if you go on Sky Bet, you've got really random names. You've got everything from Scott Parker to Sol Bamba. And well, it just seems baffling. Well, when Steve Morrison was sacked, uh, my colleagues in the office, we were all sort of giving each other our, our opinions. And um, someone said to me, yeah, but you're applying logic to this. Cardiff City is a club where logic a lot of the time doesn't apply with decisions like managerial appointments when they appointed Mick McCarthy absolutely nobody saw that coming it really left field and he did such a tremendous job in the first when did he take over in January he went on this incredible run to I think within a month he'd taken them from flirting with relegation to inside the playoffs it was quite remarkable where he'd come from hadn't really had uh, a top two tiers job in four five six years um so no one expected him to get the job. No one expected him to have the success he did. And then they gave him a contract for the following, I think it was a two-year contract they gave him, and almost instantly the results tipped away and they they didn't make it into the playoffs. And then, of course, the following season, things went very badly and he ended up being sacked. Um, and it goes back again to what I was saying about them going almost from one extreme to the other, from an older, experienced head to a younger manager. The only difference here, we are following an inexperienced manager in his first job with another one of the same ilk. Um, Hudson is the favourite, I think, because he is so popular with the fans. And I guess that the club believe that he almost buys them a little bit of time, if you like. Uh, had they, If they appointed someone who had no sort of connection with the club, they, the fans might be quick to turn when the results don't come. Uh, but because Mark Hudson served the club so well as a captain, got them promoted to the Premier League for the first time when Marky Mackay was the manager, and they'll give him a lot of leeway because he is still very well liked by the fans, very well liked by everyone who, who still works for the club, a lot of whom were there when he was there as a player. Um, so you would imagine he would get the job, but then, as I said a few moments ago, what happens after that? How long does it last uh, again, it all points to Vincent Tan and every answer I feel like I'm repeating myself, but that is Cardiff City at the moment. It's Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's, it's true. It, and it's, it's one of those things, you know, I've been a guest myself before and I feel like every answer came back with something in the past few weeks of, well, we've had no striker. We've had both our strikers injured for nine games. And everything does come back to that because normally it, it does point back to, to one thing. But I mean, it's funny, we're talking about, like I said before, Cardiff seemed directionless and at the moment Sunderland seemed like we have a direction and things are 
positive for the first time in ages. And even though, you know, we haven't won in a few weeks, there's reasons why. And the fan base seems quite positive with Sunderland, which is which is strange for, for Sunderland's sort of past couple of decades. But if you look at the at the table, at the time of speaking, we're actually on the same amount of points, on the same amount of um, wins, draws and losses, I believe. And we're slightly ahead of you on goal difference. But when you look through the league table, it's really obvious to see where Cardiff's problems are. And you you pointed out right at the top of the show, at the time of speaking, 13 goals in 17 games. That's um, significantly the lowest. I think even bottom of the league or so is about four or five goals ahead of it. Why have Cardiff struggled so much up front? Uh, well, I mentioned the big churn of players that they had over the summer. Um, and it wasn't until, I think they brought him in on deadline day, Callum Robinson became available at the very last minute for, for one and a half million. Uh, and at the time prior to his arrival, we were asking Steve Morrison about strikers to the point where he was getting sick of the answers. Um, yes, we want a striker. Yes, we want to score goals. Uh, before he came in, they were relying on Max Waters, who has got a pretty decent record below the championship, but hasn't really done it since he arrived at Cardiff. And then since Callum Robinson has come in, um, there's obviously been a change of manager. And then he got himself sent off in the opening moments of the South Wales derby. Uh, so he won't be playing at the Stadium of Light, which is probably positive news for you guys, less so uh, for Cardiff City. Uh, I I think the main reason is they're, they're still trying to find their identity. And that has almost been slowed, I think, by the managerial change. They've got the lowest XG rating in the championship this season. Um, and having seen their game on Saturday, you described it as a fairly dominant performance. Yes, they're on top, but I never felt that they were peppering the Rotherham goal or the Rotherham are hanging on for dear life. And it needed that moment of quality from, from Philogene, who was actually brought in as a full bank, but played a much, much more advanced role in almost square pegs in round holes because they've got a number of injuries and suspensions. Um, you just hope that it comes together the, the longer this group stays together because they've got a, basically a whole new squad and they've had the the additional trauma, if you like, of that managerial change, losing the man who brought them all in. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight, does it? Whoever you are, even if you've got loads of money and you bring loads of expensive players in, you still need time, which ultimately in football doesn't really exist. No, not anymore. Talking about transfers, one thing I found really, really, really interesting in the summer was uh, the Gareth Bale situation. Um, I think I might change my mind if we were if he'd signed for Cardiff, and I was saying this at the time, but I actually really wanted him to sign for Cardiff. I really liked the romanticism of it. I thought it was quite interesting. Um, it didn't happen, as we know, but from what you know and from what the fan base know, how close was that actually happening and, and why didn't it? It it was an option. It wasn't just fanciful pie-in-the-sky talk. Uh, there was serious interest from the Cardiff side. It was sort of changing a lot of the time, the messages people in our office were, were getting from some of their sources. Um, some of them were getting quite excited messages that they thought it was on, others less so. Um, I think the clearest indication that it was a, it was a serious chance of it happening was... I'm trying to think now which Wales press conference it was. They had a five or six games, including the World Cup, excuse me, playoff final in June. And he was flat out asked 
is Cardiff City an option? And he said, oh, I can't possibly talk about that. But a week prior, there was these rumours with, and forgive me, I forget the name of the Spanish club that he, they, there was reports saying that he'd agreed to sign and it's it's gone from the top of my memory. I do remember that. Yeah, And he said, and he said, oh, I won't be going there and made a laugh out of it. So he could have said something similar about Cardiff if it, if it was just pie in the sky, but he didn't. So clearly it was an option. And for a while, a, a lot of us were thinking, yeah, this, this could happen. You know, Cardiff would be so grateful to sort of have him. He could almost pick and choose when he played in the lead-up to the World Cup. When you look at it now, would you rather go and play for Cardiff City in the Championship or go to LA in the sunshine and play a bit of golf? When you look at it now, it almost seems ridiculous that it was ever really a contest. Uh, but to answer your question, it was a possibility. Um, but in the end, it didn't happen, I think, purely because I would have, I, only Gareth can tell you this for certain, but from speaking to him with Wales, um, the lifestyle, what a lifestyle he's got in LA, sunshine and golf and, you know, everything else. Uh, and it's all, for him, it's all geared to the World Cup. And when he came back for the September games, he looked as happy as we've ever seen him for a number of years. Obviously, you'll know uh, from his last few years at Real Madrid, he wasn't the most popular player amongst some of the supporters, some of the Madrid press, for which you can all draw your own conclusions why you think that is or why whether you think that was justified or not. Um, and he's he, he, at times he was a little bit ground down by having to answer questions about what people in Spain were saying about him. But he was so happy, he felt so almost loved again because from what we can see, the... They love him over there, and why wouldn't they? Because he's still an absolutely fantastic player. Um, so I don't think he has any doubts that he made the right move, and to see him with a smile on his face is only fantastic for Welsh football going into the World Cup, even if it's not quite the outcome that Cardiff City fans might have been hoping for over the summer. As an Englishman, I hope he's not too happy in a few months. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> got, got to say that, got to say it. It's going to be interesting, that World Cup group, to say the least. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't even feel like three weeks away. But but yeah, I did think it was an interesting one. And, and there was part of me, which, like I say, I would have changed my mind coming up with this weekend, but that wanted him to kind of go there. It just felt like a move that would have been nice. But then I suppose when you, you write down the pros and cons of living in LA and playing golf, um, enjoying the weather and the lifestyle, and I, I, I guess no offence to people from Cardiff, but there's only really one choice. On to the game itself, obviously, Sunderland, we got a much-needed result against Luton on Saturday. Obviously, we're talking ahead of the game at Huddersfield tonight. Hopefully, it's an even more positive result. And we can finally welcome back some strikers. Um, we've had a relatively positive start of the season. Our home form only lost two, only won two, drew the rest of them. How difficult of a game do, do Cardiff fans see Saturday and, and come to Sunderland? Uh, well, it's always a difficult place to go over the years. Uh, the Stadium of Light with the that noise and the the intimidation. Uh, Cardiff at the moment find most games a challenge because they're still, as I say, finding their their feet. Uh, they just want to keep themselves away from any sort of danger, almost keep it at arm's length. Because you've got to remember as well this season, there's no derby who pretty much from the first game last year, they, they were almost guaranteed to be relegated. 
whereas there's no sort of that was almost like one of those relegation places was gone and had there not been a derby Cardiff would have been in the bottom three at, at some point last season um, so it's a, there's a lot more jeopardy I think down the bottom of the table this season and even with that win there are only a couple of points above the relegation zone going into the Wednesday night games and so they will need I think they'll be thinking let's not lose the game let's get something and if it can be three points even better um, but without Callum Robinson as I said he's still suspended so they're, they're still trying to find the right solution to the goal scoring problems he clearly is going to be the out and out front man going forward for the rest of the season but they're not able to to call on him uh, the big hope they've got over the course of the season is is young Ruben Colwell a uh, very talented young man come through the ranks at Cardiff City really made an impression last year and that was one of the things about the Steve Morrison reign which to the outsiders, which as journalists we are, we're not privy to everything that goes on, we found really fascinating because Morrison was always very reluctant to give Reuben Colwell any praise. And yet clearly he's got so much potential. He's the best product to come out of the academy in, in many, many years. Scored at Anfield in the FA Cup, scored a fantastic goal at Queen's Park Rangers to win the game February, March time last year. Uh, he's injured at the moment, on his way back. He could be the solution long-term. Uh, but until we have a bit of certainty with what's going on with the managerial situation, Cardiff just need to pick up points here and there, get to the World Cup break. And uh, when when you consider, as you said, right smack-bang level on points, teams around them, these games are going to be crucial if it, if it does become a relegation battle for, for either Cardiff or for Sunderland. So the match is certainly away from home that you cannot afford to lose. And, uh, yeah, they've not been great at home. They've not been great away. Um, so uh, Cardiff will probably just hope to try and get something on the board. And, again, if they can pinch all three points, all the more better, as much as you don't, you want to see the opposite, don't you? I appreciate that. Uh, but it will be a tough place to go, and there's no doubt about it. In terms of, obviously, our team... We've been struggling because of the lack of strikers. We've got Ellis Sims back, whether he can play the full 90. Mowbray's kind of said maybe not. So we do sort of play with a million midfielders and now we can thankfully chuck a, a striker on. But a lot of talent in the Southern teams, a lot of players that we we, we like um, as fans that, that have really shown up this season and, and done well in the championship. But from the outside looking in, is there any players in particular that should that concern Cardiff fans or, or you're particularly concerned by and think could, could damage Cardiff in the, the more weaker areas if they have them? I'm just trying to look back at my notes because I covered Swansea City against Sunderland. When was that? October the 8th. Yes. Um, and I remember Swansea being really good in the first half. They were. 2-0, cruising. Uh, and then changes were made uh, to the system. Could have taken a point. And I remember Swansea really had no answer in that second half to Jack Clark. He really did make an impact, scored a really terrific goal to to bring you guys back into it. Uh, and there was, I'm trying to remember, there were chances down in front of the away fans. Certainly Clark with his pain, directness and trickery, I think is someone who could cause Cardiff City problems. Um, it sounds like from what you're telling me, you're in a little bit of a situation like Cardiff in, in terms of your strikers and uh, inability to score goals. It will be quite fascinating to see how the, the two teams go about it. If 
if they're both struggling to put the ball in the net, it might be time to put a big bet on nil-nil or something, depending what the odds are. I might make a bit of money and pay for the heating bills this winter. But Jack uh, Clark certainly is someone who caught my eye that day. Um, so uh, if the same similar sort of game pans out, he'll be sort of watch out for, for Cardiff, definitely. Yeah, Jack's been great this season. He's, he's suspended for tonight's game against Huddersfield, which means he's probably going to be even extra fresh for the game on Saturday. But yeah, can't disagree with Jack Clark. I think I'm terrible at predictions. Um, my final question is always is predictions, but I actually got one right last week, believe it or not. My first in 16, 17 attempts, I said 1-1 with Luton. So I'm feeling um, weirdly abnormally confident, which is not really my style. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go 2-0. We haven't kept a clean sheet in a number of weeks. I think it's five games since our last clean sheet. We haven't won a game um, 2-0 for quite a few weeks, even longer. But I do fancy a 2-0. I feel with Ellis Sims potentially, possibly able to play more than just 20 minutes here or there, will there be a focal point up front and got every confidence in, in our midfield and Jack Clark and Roberts and, and Elliot Embleton and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I'm going to go confident. We need a home win. We've only got two and eight. We've only lost two and eight, but I'll, I'll take two nil. But um, I assume, Mark, you'll go at the opposite end of the spectrum because you can never go against your own team, can you? Uh, well, looking at the number of draws you guys have had, I think I might mm-hmm. sit on the fence and, and go for a, if we try to be accurate, I think I might go for a draw. It does seem like the logical, <laughs> logical prediction might be a, a draw or perhaps a score draw. Uh, Cardiff will certainly think they've got enough to to avoid defeat and I think in the as I, as I said a few moments ago in the early sort of stages of this season which we still are we're only a few games in really uh, we've not even got to the World Cup and that's going to be a big chance for everyone to take stock um, ahead of that January transfer window which is kind of in real trouble last year and they had a fantastic January transfer window and that really transformed their season and able, enabled them to pull away from trouble uh, but I would say, I think a draw looks likely at this point in time. But of course, we're talking before the Wednesday night matches. Um, if Cardiff were to go and beat Watford handsomely at home, then uh, that might make everyone a little bit more optimistic going into uh, the weekend. Um, but Cardiff fans will want to win. But I, I think I'm going to sit on the fence and say a draw. It's the best place to sit, I found. It's the only time <laughs> I've got one right when I went with the draw. So maybe I should See, start going. Splinters is the place to be. Yes, supposedly. Yeah. Splinters. Well, it's the one time I went with my head rather than my heart at the weekend and I got it right and I'm going with my heart again. So I've con- completely gone against my uh, my instincts that I had at the weekend. But before I let you go, Mark, um, you've, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you've done some fantastic work, the particularly great film that um, you were involved in, obviously, and, and, and made about Gary Speed, which is a great watch, which I watched many months ago. But where can we find you if people want to find your work and, and watch that the, the stuff that you've done? Uh, you can find me on, on Twitter at uh, M.A. Poyser, um, and you'll see a lot of my videos that I make uh, outside of my commentaries uh, on uh, the BBC Sport Wales website and at BBC Wales Sport Twitter. Um, so, yeah, that's the place to, to to find my stuff. And I'll obviously link your Twitter as well, and I think it's your, your film that you made that I mentioned before is on your pinned tweet, I think, and um, well worth a watch, as sad as, as sad as it is and hard to watch. It's a great watch, Mark, and uh, well done on that. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and of course, thanks for joining me and, and talking to me today. Thanks for that. Absolute pleasure. Uh, one of my closest friends is a big Sunderland fan, so I do actually always have one eye on uh, on their results. Um, and as I said at the beginning, it's not. I'm not. Wasn't just blowing smoke up your backside. It is great to have Sunderland back in the championship. 
So looking forward to uh, the game on the weekend. I'll let you know if I enjoyed it after the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> 